So if I may, I'd like to tell you about a course that my husband's put together. This is something that's a long time in the making. He has been teaching people how to do this and teaching people how to use their money so that their money works hard so that you don't have to. And you've heard previous episodes of Brett's giving you advice, financial advice, advice on investing. If you love that kind of thing, you definitely want to follow him on Instagram. Now, he doesn't post that kind of stuff to his feed. I know he doesn't take any of my advice when it comes to Instagram, but he's always offering that advice on his Instagram stories. And because of that, people have been begging him for probably the last five years to teach or create a course, a basic course for beginners, not for the person who's already investing, not for the person who already has a portfolio and understands you know, annuities and their retirement fund and how to figure out how to get started, all of those things. That's the course that he created. It's called Money Matters 101. It has been five years in the making, but it's a quick course. This is literally a 101 course for those of you who are afraid of the numbers. You're afraid of the financials, but it's time for you to take control of that. We've got to change that mindset. And you can, and it's important that you do because I don't want you to work as hard as you've been working. I want your money to work harder for you. And Brett wants to teach you how to do that. And he's my husband, so I can tell you, he doesn't mansplain things. He really does break it down and make it super simple because he's had 30 years of training working with someone who has ADHD, who is constantly saying like, hold on, hold on. Okay, back it up, slow it down, break that down for me, draw a little picture. And it's a really great course. So anyways, you can check it out. There is a link in our show notes for you to check out Brett's new course, Money Matters 101. I remember, and I think it was maybe 2006, when the movie The Secret came out. Did you see it? I'm sure you did. It was like such a big deal. I made my kids and my kids' friends watch the movie. The book sold more than 30 million copies, which is kind of crazy. But one of the concepts that was kind of made popular in that movie, I think it was more of a documentary, is this idea of manifestation. And it was something that I had learned about, but maybe through a different term, just about 10 years prior to that, I remember when I watched that movie, as much as I loved it, I also felt like there was a piece that was missing. There were pieces that were missing. And it just didn't make sense to me. Like common sense would say like, wait, if everybody just did all the things I talked about in this movie, then everybody would have what they want. And that's not quite how it works. There are more steps involved. So today I'm going to kind of break it down my own process for manifestation. And it does incorporate a lot of the things you would think of when you hear people talk about manifestation, but it also includes, in my opinion, some things that are a little bit more practical and maybe even more specific. So that's what we're going to do today. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Shalene Show. In Friday's episode, if you didn't catch that, I talked about or answered a ton of questions about the reason why we're selling our beach house and how it is we bought our first, and I don't say this to brag, but like you kind of have to know numbers and I'm gonna explain why it is I'm going to share numbers with you today, even though I normally wouldn't, but it's something you need to hear. And that is because you need to know it's possible and you have to get over the shock of living a certain lifestyle. You have to think of these things that I'm gonna talk about, the things that you want. Like I know you'd love to live in a multi-million dollar beautiful home that was everything that you wanted. So in order for that to be a reality, you have to stop thinking of it as something that's like a dream or something that's 
only for a certain type of person or something that'll never happen in your lifestyle. You need to know people who've done it. You need to hear and listen and spend time with people who've done it. And so, you know, I'm your big sister and I've done it. And I was the first in my family on either side to have this kind of wealth and to have this kind of a lifestyle. But it is possible. And it has had a tremendous impact for me to spend time with people who had done it before me. And to get around those kind of people and to hear them talk about the things that they had accomplished in their lives and to normalize the accumulation of wealth, the accumulation of blessings, if you will, as opposed to what many of us experience, which is kind of like normalizing the struggle. Like that's more normal for more people, I think. And so let me just start with that. I remember the first time visiting my uncle, who I thought was so rich. I just could not even imagine what kind of money he must have had to live in what I now know is like a nice home on a lake. And I also remember the first time when I moved to Southern California, visiting someone's home who I knew the home was like a million dollar home and just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, they must be looking at me like I don't belong. And I remember just feeling so awkward and thinking to myself, like, how do I try to act normal? How do I pretend that I'm not uncomfortable? How do I pretend that this isn't blowing me away? How do I act so that these people aren't looking at me like, what is wrong with this girl? Wow, she really does not belong here. I just remember feeling like a real imposter, feeling just so uncomfortable around that kind of wealth, even though I wanted it. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to live in a big house like that. I'd love to have nice cars like this. But it felt so outside of the realm of possibilities for me at that time. And a lot of things had to change. And I'm telling you that because I had to be around it more and I had to like let my guards down and realize like, wait a second, these people aren't any more special than me. They aren't favored by God. Like they've just learned to do things differently. And these people didn't necessarily come from money and they don't look at me differently. I'm putting this on myself. So I had to like get more comfortable hearing and seeing and being around those things as opposed to trying to like seeing myself as an outsider when I was around people who had things that I desired. So anyways, in Friday's episode, I I mentioned that our home that we raised our kids in, I think we paid like maybe $4 million for that. The home that we're selling now, which is our beach home, is listed at $8 million. Those numbers are crazy. And those are the kind of numbers like I know you're like, I can't even relate. I know, but you need to because I couldn't relate to those numbers either. But you have to start relating to them. And I'm not saying you have to relate to like $8 million or $20 million. Because even right now, there are numbers right now when I think about like amazing, amazing homes that it's a little, I still have some of those feelings. So let's start there. Step one, in my opinion, and I shouldn't say my opinion, step one in my methodology is starting with a feeling. So a lot of times when you hear people talking about manifesting something, you hear people speak in terms of like vision boards literally visualizing the thing that you want. For many people, manifestation tends to start with things like trying to manifest a particular person or manifesting a particular job, a certain amount of income, a certain home, you know, these kinds of things. And that's kind of how I learned initially how to manifest. And when I say manifest, again, manifestation for me is a little different. For me, the very first step that I learned 
was goal actualization or learning how to accomplish a goal. And I think, in my opinion, that is the piece that most people, when they're teaching manifestation, they leave that out. And most people, when they're teaching goal setting, leave out the mindset and the intentions that need to be behind whatever it is you're trying to manifest. And they also leave out the feeling piece. So when I talk about manifestation, what I really mean is what is the process that I follow to bring something that I want to have happen into reality? And it's a lot more than just setting an intention and repeating that intention or creating a vision board with pictures of it. (laughs) This gal that I had come to give me an in-home massage one time, this is like many, many, many years ago. Anyways, we were in the big house, right? The house we raise our kids in. I was getting an in-home massage, which again is like this major luxury that I dreamed of having one day, right? So here's this woman giving me this massage. She's kind of, you know, really free-spirited, like very much hippie child kind of lady. And she was telling me, she's like, your home is beautiful. You know, I am a millionaire. And I said, well, that's awesome. But it it also didn't kind of add up. Like I knew what she was charging me per hour. And I thought even if she's working like 12 hours a day, there's no way she's making that kind of money. So of course I asked more questions because I'm curious, like maybe she's got a team of people, et cetera. And then she tells me, no, no, no. I wrote, I am a millionaire on a piece of paper and I pinned it to my ceiling and I look at it every single day. So I, in my mind, you know, being a millionaire is just like a state of mind. And I thought to myself, well, that is lovely, but it is not the same thing. God bless you. But there's a big difference between like feeling blessed, which is great, calling yourself a millionaire and just because it's pinned to your ceiling. But if you're still struggling to pay your bills, if you're still having to you know, work physically long, hard days, if you're still not able to do the things you want to do that allow you to have that kind of freedom, then you haven't manifested it. You just set an intention and you repeated it. And who knows, maybe today she is. But I kept thinking to myself, because then we talked about the movie, The Secret, because this is kind of like just after The Secret came out. And I kept thinking to myself, the piece that she's missing is she doesn't know how to reverse engineer it. She has set the intention She's thinking about the way she wants to feel. So we're halfway there. But girlfriend just needs to learn how to reverse engineer this. This is why I think so many people get caught up in this like kind of spiritual woo-woo state of manifestation, but it never actualizes. It never happens. And that is because manifesting is very different from just wishing or hoping for something or even putting something like on a bucket list or on a vision board. And one of the reasons why that doesn't work is because when we're hoping for something or we're wishing for something or we're praying for something or we're, you know, wanting something to happen, you kind of have to focus on what you don't have, which is interesting. And when you focus on what you don't have, that becomes your reality. When we wish for something, when we hope for something, when we even just like mentally focus on something or just set an intention towards it, but we don't take any action towards it, then It's like we're expecting the universe is going to do this for us somehow. I did a story this weekend and I I said, hey, anybody want to make a full price offer on our house? I'll throw in a free push journal. (laughs) Kind of joking, right? And I got some great responses. They were really funny. But one of the people responded, I have been praying since I heard you were selling your house that I win the lotto. And, you know, that's like wishing and hoping that the universe is going to do something for you. And I just don't want you to ever think 
that you're at the mercy of the universe because you're not. There's so much more that you can do. And it starts with what I like to call the reverse engineering of something. So when it comes to manifestation, I think you first have to start with the feeling. So what is the the feeling that I want to have? Not what's the thing that I want to have. What's the feeling that I want to have? When I think about myself, let's just start with a home. When I think about myself in a home, what is the feeling that I want to have? For me, I want to feel like everything I need is here, that all the rooms are exactly what I need to have the right people staying with me to be able to accommodate friends and family members. I want to feel safe. I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel peaceful. Like I think about all the words that I want to feel. And if I'm being honest right now, as much as I love this beach house, there's a few things it doesn't make me feel which would be silly for me to even tell you because it wouldn't make sense. And then you'd be like, wow, you are really a princess, aren't you? But I know what I want to feel. So start with the feeling because then you don't worry so much about like the price, even though it might be up, it might be down, it might be in another state, it might be in a different location. But I always start with a feeling when it comes to my career, when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to even my car. I think about What is it I want to experience when I have this thing? And when I say experience, like, what do I want to feel? And I think that's really important. That's part of setting that intention. It's something that's not often taught in goal setting situations, but it is talked about in manifestation. All right, so let's start with that feeling. And then I want you to imagine that whatever that place, that item, that thing, that change in your life that you'd love to have happen, I want you to imagine it's already happened. Give yourself permission to almost pretend like it's already happened and you are living in that moment. In order to make something like that happen, you have to make space for it. If you want to buy like a new piece of furniture, you don't just like bring in a new couch without getting rid of your old couch. So one of the first things you have to do when you want to change whatever it is that's going on in your life, when you want to live in a different home, have a different kind of marriage, be able to start a business and charge a lot more money, whatever it is, where you are now, there isn't room for that. So we've got to get rid of things like the same way you'd have to get rid of your couch before you brought a new couch in the same way you have to get rid of clothing before you bring in stuff that's new and more up to date. You've got to get rid of the things that are no longer serving you and they're taking up space, not allowing you to expand, to grow. And one of the first things I had to get rid of was my limiting beliefs. I had to get rid of the belief that I would not be able to make that kind of money or that I wouldn't be able to have that kind of success. All of the limiting beliefs. I had so many limiting beliefs. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not focused enough. I'm not thin enough. I don't have enough schooling. All of the things, every negative thing you can think of, I probably thought of it at one point or another. And then I realized none of that was serving me. So part of manifestation is getting rid of limiting beliefs. It's training yourself. It's getting yourself in the right state of mind where you believe, you truly believe these things are destined to happen. It's just a matter of time. It means preparing yourself mentally, physically, spiritually. It is even to prepare your nervous system. I had to work on feeling calm and at peace and not feeling anxious when I was around people who were incredibly successful. I don't know if I can teach other people how to do that. I can tell you what I did. 
I don't know how to teach other people this. I'm just going to tell you what I did. I would pretend. I would pretend that the person who I was around already thought very highly of me. And the moment I would have a negative thought, I would sweep it away and I would replace it with a positive thought. The moment I would think to myself, oh, they think that you're too young or you're too dumb or you're too blonde or you're inexperienced, I would sweep that thought away immediately, replace it with a positive thought. Actually, beyond a positive thought, like I would replace that negative thought with like this audaciously confident thought, like the kind of thing I would imagine my biggest fan, like my mom or my dad saying to me, like, they can't believe how special you are. Like, I wouldn't say things that my brain wouldn't believe, if that makes sense. Let's say, for example, I had a negative thought, like the first time I met Brian Tracy. In my mind, I had the negative thought, he's going to think that you are a dingy blonde and that you don't have experience and you don't have the kind of business experience that impresses him. Now, I sweep that away, but I can't replace that with he's going to be so impressed with your business experience because that's like silly, right? I mean, at that stage, the first time I met him, he wasn't going to be impressed by my business experience, but I replaced it with by focusing on something I did believe. And so I focused on he's going to see something special in you. He's going to love your energy. He's going to be swept up in your passion. Like, so I don't know if that works for you, but like I couldn't turn a negative thought into the opposite of it because I just didn't believe it. So that just didn't work for me. So what I would do is I would sweep away the negative thought and immediately replace it with a positive thought that I did believe. And I had to learn to retrain my nervous system by instead of walking into settings where I thought I could feel like my nerves kicking in, like, oh my gosh, my hands are shaking. I'm starting to sweat. My voice is quivering. And I would start telling myself that I was excited. You are not nervous. What you're feeling is excitement. And then I would just start to calm myself. I would remind myself like that I had nothing to be nervous about and that it would serve me to be calm, that I needed to adopt the energy of the people that I was around. Like they weren't nervous. And if I want to accomplish in my life many things that they have accomplished, I need to watch their body language. I want to watch how they move through the world. And I remember doing that like, I'm just thinking back on so many of those early experiences when I was around people who had incredible wealth and prestige and they had accomplished amazing things in their lives. And I remember just studying, like noticing and asking questions about how they started their day and what did they do every single day and what were some of their practices and what were some of their habits and what were some of their hobbies and what were things that they would never do and what were things that were non-negotiables. And I started noticing that habits had a lot to do with what I had to change. Like in order for me to make room for what it was I wanted in my life, which was to get out of debt, which was to have this house that I wanted, the freedom that we wanted, the lifestyle that I wanted, I had to change. I had to get rid of, I had to make room for good habits by eliminating bad habits. And that preparation is part of manifestation that I think a lot of, again, people that talk about goal setting don't talk about. Like changing your being, changing your mental state, changing your energy. The people who I saw who were calm and peaceful and successful, they weren't always up in arms over something. They were never victims. They didn't complain about how other people treated them. They never thought that they got shafted or the short end of the stick. They didn't blame other people. They saw the best in others. They didn't gossip. 
They didn't point fingers. They didn't spend any time knocking other people down or having conspiracy theories. They didn't worry about the little things. It was another level. It was another level. And I had to learn how to even to view money. Like at this stage in my life, when I kind of started to learn how to do these things, money had a grip on me. It was my worth. And so I worried about making more and having more and losing it because if I lost my money, if if I wasn't making money, then what did that say about me? And I had to learn to let go of that and believe in abundance. I had to stop worrying about like little places where I thought I was saving money, but I was wasting time. Like some of the dumb things that I used to do and, and no offense. And I have friends who still do these things and maybe you do. So no offense, but it is a scarcity mindset to, let's say, for example, have an item that you were, the, the store clerk overcharged you $10 and you're going to go back to the store. You're going to drive 20 miles back to the store and get your store credit and then back home. So you're going to spend about an hour doing that for $10. And that's just like one little example, but that's somebody who doesn't believe in abundance or their true value. And you might go, well, it's the purpose of things. But Shaleen, if you have to count every single dollar, I know, girl, I was there. Trust me. That's one thing you cannot say to me that I don't know what it's like. Oh, yes, I do. You know I do because we were hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt at one point. So yes, I do. I do know what it's like. And I also know what it's like to have a mindset where you're desperately holding on to your money. And I had to change that when we were in debt. I had to free myself from the grip that money and possessions had on me. I had to be okay with the fact that none of it had any power over me, that I am an energy and I can attract more energy to me. And I have to believe in my own energy and I have to believe in my own abilities And if I don't, well, then I have to hold on desperately to things because I think I'm going to lose them. And it's a matter of faith. And for me, that comes from God. I don't know what your faith is, but for me, that's Jesus. That's God. I'm a Christian. And it truly meant like letting go, which is so crazy to think. Like, I don't even know if any of this is making sense, but I truly had to like let go of any, anything that I believed determined my worth or my value. Like right now, the fact that we, and please excuse the term, but if we sell this house, then we won't have a home, which technically means we're homeless. But like, I couldn't have done that with my previous mindset. I did believe that where I lived, like even the city, the street, you know, just being able to tell a stranger that, that would make me feel more valuable in their eyes. No, trust me. I like a nice house. I like a nice car. But I could be without all of those things, which I'm about to be. But today, I know that has nothing to do with how richly blessed I am. And in fact, by getting rid of those things, I'm making room for bigger and better and more amazing things. When I say bigger and better, I mean experiencing the kind of life, the kind of experiences, the kind of feelings that I want to have and we're able to have at this stage in our lives. Did you know that 50% of people who have ADHD, including those of you who may be undiagnosed, but you suspect that you have it, also have a sleeping disorder? 50% of people, isn't that crazy? Which probably means a very large percentage of the population has a sleeping disorder and is unaware. Sleeping disorders include like restless leg syndrome, 
circadian rhythm disruption. And that is really common for people of ADHD. It's basically if your brain turns on at a later point in the day, like like where most people are kind of like shutting down around 930, if that's when you're like your brain starts revving up, it disrupts your circadian rhythm and it's your circadian rhythm that kind of tells your body or your brain when to start producing the hormones that help you to sleep. So melatonin is a hormone that you should produce naturally. But again, if your circadian rhythms are off, you might not be producing enough. So that's a sleeping disorder. I mean, there's so many different sleeping disorders that I don't think people are aware of. And also that people, I think, fail to recognize the fact that if your hormones are out of whack, your sleep is going to be out of whack because hormones control your sleep. Isn't that crazy? That's one of the reasons why when I talk about CBD, CBD is very powerful. It can help recalibrate your central nervous system. It is has more of an impact on some people than others, without a doubt. But when you combine CBD with melatonin and the third ingredient, and this is the key, cannabinol, that is the most, in my opinion, it's like one of the most powerful sleep elixirs that is all natural and it works with what your body needs and already produces. It's not like you're taking a sleep remedy like Tylenol PM or or even alcohol because even those those things may help you fall asleep. They don't allow you to get the good sleep, deep sleep and REM sleep. In fact, if you have an aura ring or if you track your sleep like on a whoop band or any other mechanism where you can see your deep sleep and your REM sleep, you'll see It's completely disrupted if you're drinking alcohol, if you're doing THC, if you're taking something else to help you fall asleep. Don't fool yourself into thinking that just because it helps you fall asleep, it's going to, you're getting sleep. Not necessarily. So that's why I'm such a big fan of the Sleepy Gummy because it has all those ingredients in it. But there's new research that just came out on cannabinol that I'm like, yes, I've been saying this all along. At least I hadn't seen any research about cannabinol and sleep, but it just makes so much sense. We do know that cannabinol makes people sleepy, but now there's new research to support that cannabinol can aid in minimizing people's, the impact of Alzheimer's, or I should say early onset of Alzheimer's, etc. So that's pretty cool. I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg when it comes to sleep and Alzheimer's and brain fog and all of those things. I just know this. When I look at my brain scan, the thing that made the biggest difference sleep. I mean, that's without a doubt, but you can't just say like, I need to get better sleep that I know you're probably listening to this and you're like, yeah, I know I need to get better sleep, but how I'm just saying, I'm not going to tell you it works for everybody, but what do you have to lose if it's all natural? So try the sleepy gummy. It's got all of those ingredients, which means it's probably more expensive if I'm being honest than some of these other cheapy CBD sleep gummies. But this is like three incredible ingredients in one. We're working on a new flavor right now. I don't know if it'll be out by the time you guys get this, but oh my God, I cannot wait for you to try it. We've been doing research and development on it. It's so good. I think I can tell you. Yeah, it's like a honey chamomile. It's really tasty. Again, it's these melatonin is a hormone. So you can't like just try it one night and go, well, I don't know, it didn't work or, or I was, you know, whatever. You have to find the right dosage for you, which is going to take some playing around with. And you got to give it at least a week. To be honest, I like two. I like two gummies. 
That seems crazy to me because Brett takes two gummies too, but I'm like, yeah, but also he doesn't have ADHD. So I take two gummies and I am knocked out. It's, it makes a huge difference. You can try the sleepy gummy from my soul CBD by going to mysoulcbd.com forward slash lean. All right. That's where you get your big discount. You can also click on the link below in our show notes and we'll hook you up with that discount. Just try it. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's not going to work for everybody, but if you've tried other things, what is more important than your sleep? So if you're following along, let me just recap these steps. It starts first with picking an area of your life, whether it's your financial, spiritual, family, romance, your living situation, car, job, like just pick one particular area and giving yourself permission to embrace what it is you want to feel and then giving yourself permission to pretend as though you've already accomplished this thing and think about exactly how it would feel. And then it's changing everything about who you are now so that you're making space for who you need to be in order for that thing to become true. Like really setting the intention, like how do you need to show up in the world? How do you need to change your nervous system, your habits, the people you associate with, the beliefs that you have? What negative beliefs do you maybe even need to work with a therapist to help you resolve them? And then it's being very specific about what it is that you want. What is it you want to manifest? Like when I say specific, when we talked about manifesting the house that we're in now, we were not vague. We did not say we wanted to live near the ocean or have an ocean view. We said we wanted to live on the ocean. We wanted it to be very quiet, very desolate, very, very much like our own little vacation oasis. And you want to put those very specific items in writing, in your own handwriting, like this needs to be on paper and was for us. And that's a really important piece to the manifestation. This might come into the whole laws of attraction. If you don't believe that stuff, that's cool. But like, what's the harm in trying it? Like, what is the harm? If nothing else has worked thus far, what's the harm in trying this? I'm going to share with you a little exercise in just a minute that Brett and I are doing this week just for fun because we've never done it before. And I'm going to encourage you to do it with us. It's called 55 and 5. We'll get to that in just a second. All right, so once you have all of the specifics down on paper, your next step, and again, this is how I do it, is to reverse engineer what it would take to make that happen. Because again, I think the problem with like just the whole, the secret or the laws of attraction is that most people, when they think about those things and they talk about those things, they leave out the fact you got to break it down into steps because otherwise you're just like waiting for the universe to make this happen for you, which is great. Sure, that might happen for some people, but I don't know about you, but I can't just wait around. And I don't know too many people who have just set an intention or put it out into the universe and then it happens. (laughs) I hate to say this, but I ran into that massage therapist just about a year ago and I hadn't seen her in about 15 years. And I guarantee she's probably making the same amount of money that she was back then. Now, that's not a bad thing, but one of the reasons why is probably because she never reverse engineered it. Like, it's so important that you not leave out this step. So once you've decided what it is you want, what does reverse engineering look like? That means taking it apart. Here's what it means. Listen to me. 
This is the piece that people do not teach. And it drives me crazy because you're smart enough to do this and you have access to this like never before. Reverse engineering, it means that you're going to spend some time really digging in and researching exactly everything that would have to happen, that would need to happen, that you would need to know, that you would need to do in order to make that thing a reality. A lot of this stuff, you're just not going to know. I did not know what it would take to have this house. I didn't know how much money it would cost. I didn't know, like, what it meant was we had to start there. Okay, let's start back at the beginning. And, like, really just sitting down with a pen and a piece of paper, and this might take a day, a couple of hours, might take a couple of months. For us, it took a couple of weeks of figuring out, like, okay, so what are the home prices that we're talking about? And how many of them come up on the market? And how quickly do they sell? How much more money do we need to be making in order to make that not just a reality, but something that was really comfortable and really doable? Okay, well, there's the amount. And now how would we reach that level of income? What are the different ways that we could do that? Okay, well, we can do that by building more businesses, by selling a business, by learning how to invest. Okay, we can start doing a lot better job of investing our money and really get good at that. All right, so then what's involved in that? So it's just figuring out each step. And then once you figured out the step, it's peeling that back and go and saying to yourself, well, how do you do that? So we just did the Marketing Impact Academy live event recently. Okay, and if you were the person that asked this question in the audience, please don't take this personal, but this really is my pet peeve. When somebody asks the question, well, how do I do that? And they will often ask that question for something that's really big and overwhelming. And they think that you're going to give them a quick, like, I don't know, one paragraph answer. But anything, anything you want to do starts with you realizing no one is going to tell you how to do it. You need to be a big boy or a big girl and figure out like, hello, you need to figure that out. That's your freaking job. You need to figure that out. And how do you do that? How about an incredible website called Google? Start there. It's interesting to me how many people will ask questions because they really aren't motivated to make the thing happen. In fact, I think sometimes we ask the big scary question like, well, how do I do that? Because we really, we really in our heart of hearts know that we could probably figure it out, but we're also scared to figure it out. We're scared to have all the steps because if we had all the steps, then we might have to actually follow through on all those steps. And we've got all this self-doubt that prevents us from doing it. Did she just call me out? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Listen, you and I both know if the person who you love the most on this planet right now, that you would just do anything for them, if they called you and said, listen, I've just been kidnapped. My kidnappers are saying that they're going to kill me unless you can get an airplane here, a private jet here, wherever they are, within 24 hours. What would you do? Would you be like, I, I don't know. That sounds hard. No, you, you would start researching. You would do everything in your power. You would not take no for an answer. You would hit an obstacle and you would keep searching and you would keep asking and you would keep Googling and you would figure it out. Why? Because you were motivated to. So if you really want this thing that you say you want to have the experience, the feelings that you can picture having when this thing becomes a reality, if you're not willing to do all of the research and break it down and break it down and break it down and break it down into the little tiny bite-sized pieces, 
then it's not going to happen. Then good luck with your laws of attraction, just writing it on a piece of paper and hoping that it happens. I mean, the likelihood is very slim. It's possible, but more than likely it's going to happen because it was already going to happen. But I'm talking about things that are, they're within the realm of reality, but they're outrageous. They are going to require action and not crazy action. It's doing the little tiny things. It is ridiculous to think that we're selling an $8 million home when not too many years ago, we were a half a million dollars in debt and, you know, the marriage was not doing great. Let's just say that. Why am I in this position? Because there's nothing more special about me than there is about you are just as special. I don't have any special powers. I just learned after college how to do this stuff from listening to experts. I didn't invent any of this. It's just learning. Oh, so that's how they did it. It's not just setting a big goal or like saying, I want to manifest this thing. It's actually reverse engineering it. And I think that's a secret sauce. And when you get really, really good at breaking things down into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller pieces, then you realize like, this is so doable. It literally starts with the smallest of steps. And that has to be done on paper. I'm sorry. None of this works if you're just trying to let it bounce around your head. You've got to figure out what it is you want. You've got to do some reverse engineering. And the bigger and more unfamiliar that goal is, the more time it's going to take and the more committed you need to be to doing the research and looking at each and every step and saying to yourself, okay, well, this step, how could I break that down even further? Let's say, for example, I I need to learn how to do or how to build a side hustle while I'm working full time. Okay, so that's a really big goal. That's not like a, oh, I'll just do that one day. No. So then you want to break that down into bite-sized pieces. And your first step might be just something that takes only 20 minutes, which might be doing a Google search to find out the types of jobs or types of businesses that you can start with no startup costs and very limited time. All right, well, that's something you can do on day one. That's going to take like 20 minutes. What would you do the next day? The next day you might say, well, Today, all I'm going to do is narrow down of those ideas, which two or three am I interested in learning more about? All right, then the next day, what are you going to do? The next day, you might research those two or three. You see what I'm saying? Like it's literally doing just two or three little tiny steps that are all part of the reverse engineered plan towards your big gigantic goal, otherwise known as a push goal. I mean, that's really what a push goal is all about. I mean, a push goal, if I'm being honest, is is kind of a combination of goal mastery and manifestation. It's not just setting this, you know, dream for yourself, this thing that you want to have happen in 90 days. It's asking yourself like, okay, what three things do I have to do every day towards it? But you don't know what those three things are unless you reverse engineer the whole thing. And then peel it back and peel it back and peel it back and then be persistent and also give yourself grace because you're human and there will be weeks where you lose steam. And when you reverse engineer a plan, most people, the mistake that they make is they just don't make their steps small enough. If I'm going all the way back to the very first things that I ever started to manifest, for example, I knew I had to change my beliefs around wealth and money. So the first thing I did was invested in books because that's all that I could afford. And then eventually I could afford to buy CD programs. And as I listened to those programs and applied the principles and implemented what it was I was learning, then I realized that 
you know what? Now I can invest in going to a live seminar. And for me, it was like meeting my business mentor, which who is Brian Tracy, you know that, live and in person. Now that felt scary, but it was also like, I, I have to get to that place where scared money don't make money. I need to realize that when I invest in other people, I get a return. And then eventually I was able to meet him by going to a live event and then applying everything I learned, like literally implementing everything that I learned and learning to scale. And before long, eventually I was able to be a part of one of his $100,000 masterminds. Like that's crazy to me. Now, if I had made that my first step, like I've got to get into his $100,000 mastermind, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't there. I had to reverse engineer my way to that. I had to prove to myself. That's the other thing is like beliefs change when our experiences change. And so I was afraid to spend money on personal or business development because I had no evidence of how I would make a return on that. So once I bought my first book and I realized, okay, wait a second, I spent 20 bucks on this book. It was the Eat That Frog. And how much more money am I going to make this year just because of this book? And it was tenfold. So then I was like, okay, well, there's evidence that I implement. So that gave me confidence in me. Like you've got to pay attention to the things that you're doing right. And you have to say to yourself like, okay, now I have evidence. Like keep a little evidence file of the things that you're, you're proving yourself wrong. Do you know what I mean? And building like a new case for yourself. With that evidence, I was more confident to spend, I think it was like $500 on one of his programs on CD. And then I looked at, okay, how much more money am I able to earn this year because of the things I learned in that program? Geez, look again, I've made like tenfold making that investment. So now I feel more comfortable. And I the next thing I invested in was, I think it was like a $17,000 seminar with him. And again, I made that money back tenfold, which made me feel very confident in my decision to invest in his $100,000 mastermind. And then eventually he was in my home. Brian Tracy became someone who I was able to invite to my home, have him to events with me, somebody who I could call and consult with. I mean, now he's 78 years old, but that didn't just happen. Like I didn't just say like, I want Brian Tracy to be my personal mentor who I have a personal relationship with. No, I had to reverse engineer it and start with a book. And from Brian Tracy, I moved on to other business mentors and other business coaches who were able to elevate our business and to expand and to help us to grow and to scale in ways that we had reverse engineered. When I say we, I'm usually the one that does the reverse engineering. Brett can do a lot of this in his head Man, once he's got a plan, he's go, right? But like I, I've gotten really good at this because I had to, and you can too. This is not something I knew how to do. It's a skill and you can pick it up at any age. It is not too late. I'm telling you, you're wiser today than you ever were. The internet makes us so much easier today than ever before. Like you literally just have to stop asking rhetorical questions that you're saying out loud because you actually don't want to do the work, because you're afraid to make the mistake, because you're afraid to fail. Stop it with the rhetorical questions. Instead of saying, how do I do this? Type that into a search bar and start researching and breaking it down and researching and breaking it down. All right. As promised, I want to share with you a practice that many people who teach manifesting, manifesting, manifestation, believe in and 
it's something I've seen a lot of people talk about. It. A lot of people practice it. And you know what? I want to open up my mind. It's something I've never done before. And I wanted to give it a try. It's 55 and 5 is the practice. And it's this ancient manifestation practice where you take a, a phrase made in the affirmative of something that you want to have happen and within a specific time. And when you think about that thing, I want you to imagine what it feels like having already accomplished it. Like think about how cool that would feel and how excited you would feel. Think about how grateful you would feel. So that's another big piece of this exercise is you want to express gratitude. You want to state your affirmation of this thing that you want to manifest. Like you're affirming that it's already happened. And part of the way that supposedly this works is you have to set the intention every single time that you make this practice. And what's the practice? The practice is writing the affirmative of whatever it is you're trying to manifest. So you might say, I am so grateful that I have met the man of my dreams this month. I feel so blessed that we sold our home in less than 30 days. I am so grateful that my business did 10 times more in sales this month than it did last month. So it's expressing your gratitude and it's making the affirmation as if it's already happened and you really want to feel those things. Now, here's the deal. So you write that phrase 55 times, five days in a row. And supposedly, if you skip a day, you have to start over. <laughs> all right. So I talked to Brett and I said, can you come over here for a second? I have a favor to ask of you. He's like, all right. I said, do me a favor. Let's just write down whatever our affirmation is with regard to this house. We grabbed one of our notebooks. So, you know, push journal, we make a notebook too, right? And the notebooks are 25 lines. So there's 50 lines front and back. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we just basically fill a page front and back and write a couple extra ones at the top of the margin and we're done. He was like, okay, yeah, this is easy. I'll, I'll do this with you. And he's like, five days in a row? I'm like, yeah, five days in a row. He's like, all right. So we sat down and did it tonight. And I timed us because I wanted to know how long it took. So it took us about 16 minutes and my hand was cramping so bad. He's like, "What? have I been sent to the principal's office? Wait, why am I doing this again? I'm like, we're manifesting, dude. Simmer down, we're manifesting. So that's a little bit more transcendental. Is that the right word? It's just a little bit more woo-woo than I tend to be. But I thought, you know, there is something about like speaking your intentions to the to the world, to God, to the universe. And when you're sitting there writing the same phrase over and over and over for 15 minutes, all you can do is think about that phrase. And there's got to be something really powerful happening when you do that. So here's what we both agreed. We're like, we're going to break this up. So you don't have to write them at all at the same time. You just have to do it within the day. So we're going to write like you know, 25 maybe in the morning and 25 at night. And we're going to do it for five days straight. We'll see if this actually works. I would love for you to do it too. And obviously I want you to do all the other things too because I want you to actually be able to manifest. So I'm begging you to do more than just write down this phrase for five days, 55 times in a row. I'm encouraging you to reverse engineer the process and to do all the things we talked about in this episode. But I am very curious to see what is possible if we add this extra layer of manifestation, if you will? It's apparently an ancient practice, and I mean, there's certainly no harm in it. We put on some nice music. Tomorrow, we're actually going to sit outside and do this, almost like a meditation. We're going to sit outside and do this. And so, 
yeah, keep me posted. I hope that you'll join me in this challenge and let me know how things go. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash the Shaleen Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. Shaleen.com.